Darkness <laughs> After Dark, The Darkening 2. <laughs> That's fantastic. The Electric Boogaloo. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, there. Uh, you did it again. You did it again. I'm going to mute you every time you do that. Let's see. <laughs> nope, His he's still. took him out. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> that that dog is messing him up big time. Messing him up big time. He can't hang. He can't hang. No, nope. especially like, you know, once he... So he... Did you hear the story about the dog? Did you hear the story about the dog? Like, like how it messed him up? You still there? Uh, looks like I am the only one broadcasting. Is anyone here? Oh, yeah. Nick, can you hear me? Anybody, can you hear me? Wait. Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> you can hear me. Yeah, absolutely. I can't hear you. Why didn't Ooh. that drop out? Oh, because you know what? I went over to Twitch. And I started playing, just watching the stream. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back in. Do it, do it. And there was one. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. We're uh, sci-fi writers playing old school D&D. And uh, this lady right here is, like, picking my teeth. That's some weirdness. We're going to shrink her down like that and then shrink this cat. It's going to be epic. There we go. So, uh, yeah, we had... Uh, we had some stuff today. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. And we, we have you. Yeah, we had some stuff today on uh, on Sci-Fi Writers playing old school D&D. There were lots of rooms. <laughs> ah, boy, <vey. laughs> Lots of rooms with, with jelly and pudding and, and poop. Yeah. Yeah, we got to talk about all that. <laughs> <laughs> but first, Nicole and I, so we go get a Thai massage. Like you do. And, um, yeah, like you do on Friday. And it's 8 o'clock, and uh, so we go to In-N-Out Burger. And, like, so because awesome. I don't eat lunch now, eat lunch now. I um, I just have breakfast in the morning, and then I bone broth for, for, for lunch. So so play, play D&D, you know, worked out first, play D&D. Um, go get a Thai massage. Like, I had a coffee to, like, cut the appetite. Right on. Like, at around 3 or 4. And, and then, so it's 8 o'clock now. Like, I have not eaten since, like, eight o'clock in the morning so i'm starving but i have this policy i split everything with nicole unless she goes to like defcon 4 and says you may have your own plate and i knew we were both hungry but like i have this policy i only always split with her because because i'm you know i'm big irish guy so i gotta i don't want to be a big fat irish guy gotcha so um so i said so i said you do you want do you want to share a burger? Which is like a prompt. Like, you know, hey, let's, you know, it's like when you you and your wife go to a hotel and there's there's two beds in the room and you're like, oh, what is this serendipitous event? Because <laughs> <laughs> admit it, like, you know, like a separate bed is kind of fun. You know, you're yeah. like, yeah, I can stretch out. You know, this is great. Like, She's not going to get up and bother me, any of that kind of stuff. But, you know, you have to, uh, I'll, you know, you even go through that little playlist where you go, oh, I'll miss you tonight. But really, you're like, ah. <laughs> this, this is, is like, like camping. <laughs> yeah, this is like going on TDY, leaving all the assholes that, that you know in your unit to go, you know, do sniper stuff or jump out of airplanes or do combo or combat lifesaver or whatever. You know, like you're on your own now. You can actually enjoy your military experience because no one from your unit's dragging you down. That's marriage when you get two beds in one hotel room, right? 
<laughs> so awesome. I go, I go, I go. Do you want, uh, do you want a burger? You know, you want your own burger because we both haven't eaten for twelve hours. And and so she goes, well, if you get your own burger, I'll just get like a lettuce wrap burger. And I'm like, okay. But how she made it sound was like, that's not really what I want to do. I really want to share with you. <laughs> and so I interpreted that. I'm like, okay, you know, no burger for me. <laughs> so I'm like. So I'm like, okay, we'll just get one burger and we share it. And we just get home and like we woof it in like three seconds. And and I look at her and I go, boy, we should have got a second burger. And she's like, well, I strongly hinted to you. <laughs> I strongly, <laughs> strongly hinted. Do you realize the oxymoronic nature of that statement? Right, Nicole? <laughs> strong and i i go you're still hungry now she's like yeah i'm still hungry now and, and i'm like why did you say anything you know so you know cool. she's that's she's cool. probably doing dry fire drills behind you right yeah exactly <laughs> i'm um, just saying this could all be solved with a trip to taco bell as soon as you log off exactly but i don't want my butt to explode yeah and speaking about i'm listening to all these like if you ever like as a science fiction writer like i don't i'm not a q person or anything like that but you can have infinite levels of fun listening to the q people and and all their podcasts and everything like that and like where they are at in this whole like fiasco that's ongoing right now and i heard this one military guy he goes he said uh he goes uh I think it's Monkey Works. If you ever listen to them, they're kind of interesting because they like do flight following and watch all the C-130s, and then they're like, "And this is what's going to happen. You got to watch Abilene, Texas, and all this oh, kind of stuff." From from writing, it's like kind of fun. Like you're like, "Oh, okay, this this is interesting." Um, you learn things, and uh, <laughs> this one guy goes, he, "He's like, you know, when Trump declared, when Trump decided to concede, which he didn't concede, but when Trump like gave a speech, he, he goes, I won't lie to you, I was.'" I was conditioned bravo butthurt. And I was like, that is my new phrase. <laughs> conditioned <laughs> bravo butthurt. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. So that was me after ending that burger. After like the three seconds of orgiastic glory of just like the both of us just like ripping this, you know, like how James today wanted to just like rip us to shreds with that dragon. It was like Nicole and I were two dragons with that in and out burger. Oh, that's but it awesome. was such short, it was such short lived joy. It was like three seconds, like still hungry, I'm like, I'm hungry too. <laughs> but to go to in and out burger, it's another like you have to drive back and it's like a 30 minute wait to go through the Oof. line. Yeah. Oof. So. So that's those are the trials and tribulations of me. Ouch! But at least you had the Thai massage, though. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was that was. There's the the thing about the Thai masseuse people is they all have like a different game, a different. They all learn like a different Thai massage martial art. <laughs> so, so some are pressers and they get your circulation going, and then some are like deep tissue and like they get your muscles kind of all moving and everything like that. So last week I had this one named Kim and she's like the mistress of pain. So she's like, she's like maybe four, nine, like maybe like not even a hundred pounds. Right and on. so what she'll do is she'll stand on all the points in your body where you will scream in pain and then giggle while she does it, you know, oh, very nice. softly in the dark as they play their like mystical music. And uh, she can really, actually really, really hurt you, but all of it's good and it gets everything working. But like, it's like a good hour and a half, two hours of like solid pain. 
it's not relaxing. It's not enjoy enjoyable, but it feels good in that way that like getting slapped around feels good. Maybe I've revealed too much about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but today I had the one uh, Mary who is just she's very relaxing, and so you can just kind of bliss out. And you can think about the game, and you can think about how James is just screwing us the entire time. <laughs> I told uh, I, I God, this is when uh, before I got hurt. Uh, last year and then uh um before all the pandemic stuff i was at uh i was getting a coffee and uh barista behind the counter is uh you know uh one of those like you know pretty interesting dudes you know he's he's computer savvy uh but yet he looks like he works out he's got the you know he's got the giant mohawk afro going on you mm -hmm. know but like but like looks like he's got a brain in his head uh yeah you know and he's like he's like so what are you guys doing today and i'm like oh you know we're gonna do this that and then uh i'm gonna um i'm really into people choking me so i'm gonna have some like <laughs> i'm gonna have like a big dude's like one of my my favorite partners is like you know 220 uh 6'2 and he really <laughs> likes to get his hands around my neck and i, I just can't get enough <laughs> And the ladies behind me in line are looking at me with this horrified look on my face. And he's just like, he goes, is it like jujitsu or something? I said, well, that's exactly what it is. He goes, dude, that's awesome. And those women just look horrified. Like, uh, yeah. like, like, you know, why? that as he asked that question, he was going, please be jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> <Please be jiu -jitsu. laughs> yes. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not jujitsu at all. No, it's not. Especially not when they put the plastic bag over my head and I keep saying yes. Oh my God! Yeah, Captain Kilgosha uh, just hit the chat, and he was like, "That sounds kinky." <laughs> and this is why we can't have a family-friendly rating. Yes, it's yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. Finally, we have someone to watch us. Now there's a reason for our existence. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like, yeah, the, that that's what it felt like today. Like you know, like somebody was choking me every time I wanted to move forward, and I, I really wanted to put like. I really wanted to do a reversal and then go right into either, you know, like uh, Oma Plata or Jujigatami or something like that. But no, no, I, I got to watch the feed in the stream. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, it would be interesting also for the people who are watching just to kind of tell us where you're at. There's definitely, I mean, you can read my face during it. You can figure <laughs> out that, you know, like, and I, and I say, I told James, like, when I start doing that stuff, you have to understand the show is getting really slow, you know? And so, you know, I love everything that he does create creatively and it's, it's just so interesting, but we cannot just burn like an hour and a half of like, you know, we're going to make doorstops. I think it, yeah, yeah. Going, yeah. Being doorstops and proof rooms and like, and I think like, you know, like, and it's something I try to talk to him. Like, I think people want a little more straight combat with monsters, like that are actual monsters in the fiend folio, the dungeon master's guy, dungeon master's guy, or, uh, monster manual, monster manual too. You know, they want the old school monsters, but I think James is like, yeah, but I want to do that. But then I want to give them something that makes them, undefeatable to you unless you figure out the secret tick and i'm like yeah the problem is though that like a lot of people want to learn how to run those monsters and what you're teaching them is how to run a souped up version of that monster and i kind of thought that i had made that clear to him but i don't think i did i, I think i i failed in my operations order yeah that's why you got fragos yeah yeah 
but I've told him in the past, like when you see me like look at the sky or I start spinning around in my chair, like, you know, and then, you know, he got it. I just like, it was fun to fight a dragon. That was pretty cool. But like, what was that the last 20 minutes, yeah. you know, but like, I think people like combat and they like fun, not like super hard, you know, like here's a room. Like I, it's also like the bypassing thing like that. I don't think people like, you know, like, Hey, here's a room description. And we're like, Oh, it seems so ungettable that we can either sit here for 10 minutes trying to figure it out and bore everybody to death, or we can go great room description. Let's go try another room description. Yeah. So that would be, yeah, those are, those are the point. And so I'm saying that during this podcast to let people know, like, hey, give us your feedback. Cause I like to be super transparent and super honest and, and tell us, you know, Hey, am I wrong? Do you guys, do you guys just like this kind of stuff or, you know, yeah. Would you like, the, would you like more combat? Would you like more pacing? That kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know. JR, what are your thoughts, man? I know that when I try to give you combat, we just got poison lightning rain and Walt's like, screw you and your module <laughs> or one shot yeah, or whatever but, the hell yeah, you but, call it. <laughs> yeah, but we had fun. I mean, that's, that's what you, I mean, I think that there's a line too with James is like, however you get powerful, I can guarantee you that like the next week you come back, all your powers are useless because the new monster he's throwing at you, you know, like there's no reason to upgrade. It's just like, you, now you're just gonna get slapped around this way. But I think, I think people like D and D because you're like, like you, you, un, you get a new power, you get a new weapon, you get a new spell, whatever. And then the whole week while you're waiting to play again, you're like, I'm going to do that and everything like that. And then you go in to use it. And James is like, nah, that doesn't work. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so I, I think, I think, you know, if you didn't mind us raining lightning all over your precious NPCs and monsters, that was pretty fun for us. Oh, and I'm just messing. But I, I will say that, you know, James spent the last, how long running one shots at, at tournaments. And it's, it's a different style. I've, I've say, We've seen a lot of growth from him just since we started. Yeah. As far as what he's doing. So, yeah. I mean, he's certainly responding, no. but I, I get, you know, if you're used to one thing, changing on a dime isn't easy. Yeah. And, and I think, like, I mean, one of the problems is I can't keep going to him each week and saying the audience wants more of this, wants more of that, because, like, we've all, I think we've started two storylines and then he's, like, you know, backed off of it. Now we're back in the dungeon. And then, like, I can almost guarantee, well, next week we're going to do Andrew's mission. And then, like, the week after that, James will be like, and now, you know, like, you know, like, you know, I think we're going too many directions at once. But we're, you know, it's a refine and repeat thing. You're trying, you're trying to figure it out as you go. And now gelatinous cubes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this one is red. Yeah. 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 Dude, like, yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I was, I, I get a little frustrated. And I, I get a little frustrated with my character because I feel I feel like w whatever my character does well is the thing that's not going to work. Like, hey, I can, you know, turn people to stone. Uh, you can't turn anybody to stone. <laughs> Okie doke. <laughs> well, I mean, and there was that one thing today where it was like, hand me a scroll. You know, like, and when you're, you dispel magic scrolls, because as a thief, I can read scrolls. Scrolls now at this level, I've earned that. He's like, make a wisdom check, and I'm like, I fail it. He's like, you don't get to read the scroll. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like the right mechanic. But I could be wrong, right? Well, you got, uh, um, uh, I believe at ninth level, thieves can read and write, read, uh, read magic. Yeah. 
So if that's the case, you should have been able to read the scroll. Um, right. And he, and then he's like, but he'll say like, well, that's not how it's going to be because I'm the game master. I'm like, okay, didn't we just have a conversation about people want to see the rules? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, you're slaying me. <laughs> but I, but it's fun because the adventures are, you know, he's such a delightful person and the adventures are so creative and, and, and I really do want to, you know, explore this dungeon and get all the way down to the bottom. And, and it was fun today. Like he kind of threw out like, Oh, there's a box in this dungeon. That was kind of interesting. You know, if you say his name, you know, you go insane. But then I was like, yeah, but everybody made their saving throws. Shouldn't they kind of know the name now? No, you'd have to make another saving throw. <laughs> I'm like, like, it, it's just like, I mean, is it wrong? Did it feels a little head death sometimes? Uh, you know, that, that, that's going to be the tough thing too, you know, because like at, at certain points, like Captain Kilgosha, um, in the chat right uh you know he's he's throwing some uh some interesting points out he's like you know we just want the monsters we want to see you guys beat them up and then die uh not so much yeah. the puzzles unless there's a timer uh and then he's like uh, uh a story a quest uh, a reason to go into the dungeon uh viewers don't like inconsistency we want the same thing you know yeah um and that's and that's the uh that's the thing too you know you uh uh, I got a lot of good feedback from um, the uh, the off adventures. Uh, so, like uh, the one I ran, the one JR ran, um, lots of great email and feedback, and and people reaching out through like FaceSpace and, and Messenger and stuff. And uh, you know, the one thing they liked is that it just it was moving. It was moving. You know, um, and I think that's where we're encountering the pro the problem is that it starts to move and then it just stops. Yeah. You know, and then well, because he'll think up these puzzles that like there's like there's no easy solution, and it's not. I think it's unfair of us to ask for an easy solution, but we we are like saying, well, like this is a show, so we can't like test solutions for six months. Yeah. You, you know, know what and... I mean. And that's the thing too, like, uh, you know, the show limit is two and a half to three hours. Right. You know, um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, bandwidth, um, everything's being recorded, uh, in pretty high definition. I mean, at least 780p. So you're talking when you go to upload them to like different service streaming services like YouTube or what have you, right. You're looking at like, um, you're looking at like, uh, like at least, 30 to 40 minutes per upload just to Ooh. just to have it um, go in and then render, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, keeping it short also allows it to be a lot more digestible too. Uh, one of the other podcasts right. that I work on, uh, we do this, uh, we do this thing called lunchtime beat em ups, right? Where we do, uh, you know, parts of an wait, event. Wait, wait, what? You have another <laughs> You work on another <laughs> what? pod? <laughs> Moonlighting bitch. Um, Jeez. But like, uh, yeah, lunchtime beat em ups and it's it's uh, 45 minutes to an yeah. hour tops and it's just pieces of the adventure so that they're more easily easily digestible. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, uh, um, you know, even in the chat, they're saying, uh, you know, puzzles can be fun. So can tricky scenarios. But uh, the uh, Captain Kilgosha was saying that uh, puzzles don't have to run for a two and a half hour show, you know, and they need to complete something in that time. So. You know? No, I mean, like, uh, like we were down to 45 minutes left 
and he was giving us another like and here's another room you can't solve yeah i mean like okay i'm gonna throw a typhoon in there okay and then he's like you know and it's, it's very like okay now a dragon attacks you i'm <laughs> trying to solve the room you're like okay we'll fight the dragon you know like it's it's a little like i don't know what to do but I feel like this is kind of why why we're flailing at this viewer level, kind of like right now. Like I noticed there were a few more viewers today, but we're not like growing exponentially in the time of COVID when no one has anything else to do. Right. Like, we, we should have like a million viewers, you know, and and, and that would be fun. But we don't. Um, and so it's just, it, you know, like I'd like uh, I'd like I'd like James to keep doing it. I'd like him to be a part of it. I just. I, I've expressed like, hey, this is these are some things that we I think we should do, and I I felt like ninety percent of that was just thrown like like I had like a conversation with him and, and you know Walt was there on, you know and we had a meeting where like okay this is how we think the show should go and things like that and I just felt like ninety percent of it was like okay now here's a room where there's a sword that if you do like and Jr's in there like and interestingly to Jr's credit today he had like great ideas. Yeah, but the first the first idea, you know, was like I'm gonna throw a javelin at this floating sword, and you know, okay, so there's three chests, they're evil, blah blah blah, like no clear thing how to do, it. and he's like, this sword's definitely gonna hurt you. Okay, you know, seems pretty menacing. So the first thing that we do is we throw a javelin. Jared throws a javelin, and it turns to dust. So you're like, is that what this thing does? Like if you if it even hits you, do you turn to dust? Right. You're like, well, that seems like you shouldn't mess with that. So it just be, it just becomes like, hey, that was a great room for everybody to look at for 20 minutes. Now we could we could publish, and I and I kind of try to like, well, let me talk with the sword, you know. And I, oh, now like you hear this name, and you know you go unconscious. Do you want to hear it again? And I'm like, well, if I make a saving throw, do I get to know it? No, you'd have to make another saving throw. I'm like, you're not reading that like people don't want to get lost on this stuff. I mean, I, but I don't know if he wants to do the puzzles more than the combat because maybe the combat's too complex. I don't know. Yeah. Weird. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's definitely, yeah. it's a tough thing to tackle too. Cause you know, how do you, how do you, you know, like, like the audience as obviously just said a few minutes ago, you know, they want to see us beating up monsters or monsters, you know, eating us, you know, Captain Kogosha and uh, some of the other guys are like, Hey, did you guys TPK yet? Uh, I'm going to go make a sandwich. I'll be back. Can you TPK when I get back? You know, (laughs) I mean, and and, you know, we have some, having some real fun interaction with the chats during uh, when things are going on. Um, People were throwing those sound effects around like crazy today. It was so great. Uh, Although I got to tell you, um, I had to change my underwear like three times because you guys scare the crap out of me when it happens. Because, like, it'll, it'll, it'll just happen, and I'm just like, oh, God, I totally did not expect that. You know, because, like, some of the sound effects are, are, like, they creep up on you. Like, especially, like, if it's a sound effect uh, uh, regarding your wife uh, acting out the sound oh. effect, right? And she, she'll, it's like, it starts really soft, and then she'll get louder. I'm like, whoa, gee, oh, my God, I totally didn't expect that. You know, so, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, because, like, uh, I think it's her rendition of, and that is how you win D&D, right? And it oh, starts really quiet, yeah. and I'm like, oh, somebody must be playing, and then it gets really loud, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we've, I mean, that's the, the part, I think, about the show that's working is, 
like there's an environment where people are really having fun. Um, I think if the content, you know, if we could kind of iron out this thing where the content was more like people wanted to pay attention, then they probably wouldn't just, you know, rain sound effects down. Right. You know, or, or maybe they would, but maybe they're, I, I don't know, maybe that's symptomatic of like a bit of like, when we have those sort of like, quote unquote, boring moments, like, oh, let's hit the, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I know. You know what? I, I, I just, I, I'm saying those things because I feel that they need to be voiced and, and they're probably a little harsh, but like, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't waste people's time. I can't waste your time. You know, how, what's the growth on your, 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 uh, lunchtime, you know, mash em ups. Um, it, it, in the beginning it was very it was very slow like the live shows nobody was really watching them um because uh um it, they weren't we didn't have a fixed schedule it was when everybody could show up uh right now um when they do the lunchtime uh you know the lunchtime beat em ups and stuff like that it's usually um anywhere between 20 to 25 live uh between youtube and facebook and then uh, several hundred downloads within the month, you know, so people going on YouTube and, and rewatching it later. Um, so pretty good interaction, pretty good engagement. Um, but there's no, um, there's no, uh, slowdowns where it's like people are right. arguing for 30 minutes over, you know, like a Bill Clinton thing. Well, the definition of is, is, you know, it's, it, it's a lot more faster paced, you know, now granted, the uh, um, the uh, the premise is uh, we were testing a game for uh, a company called Bloat Games, and it was uh, like Transformers, right? right? So we were testing out those mechanics, and those mechanics are fast because, you know, Transformers aren't going to sit there and be like, I, you know, I, I make sure I look up, down, and inside out and test the trap for uh, random tickle torture. You know, there's, there's none of that. It's, it's oh, uh, there's possibly a trap here? Blow it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, but, you know, I've played D&D with you. We've all played D&D &D with you. Played D&D &D with JR. You know, like, I think when you when you keep those things in mind, it's easier to, to do that and advance that along. And I, So it, it's something that I think we've got to address going, like, how long have you been doing that, that uh, beat-em-ups? You know, like, you've probably been doing it the same amount of time as the show or half the show. And, like... I just feel like, you know, we're not, we're in danger of losing the audience if we don't somehow overcome, you know, the, the, the arguing, the back and forth. And, and some of that is because James wants to invent things that are difficult and my hats are off to that. But then that, that causes a lot of questions as we go through it. And then we have very intelligent people like Rothman who plays or like, you know, Terry Shepard was in there today and they're going to ask probing questions and they get shut down a lot on it because the dungeon master can hide behind that well you don't know because and then they'll come back in and blah blah and just it does become a very lawyerly discussion and like i bet there's a great podcast idea in that i mean there probably there probably are people who like dnd &D to be sort of explored on that that level you know right. that existential let's 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 fill let's philosophize 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 the entire thing that that's probably a show but i don't think that's our audience right now i could be wrong let us know in the chat and while you're there mash the subscribe button i don't <laughs> there know you go. 
<laughs> give us stuff. Give us a reason to be here. Hell yeah. Go tell 25 friends. That would be fantastic. Only 25? Let, well, let's then say, they could tell though, 25. Okay. Let's okay. say, like, for tonight's show, let's say we're going to we're gonna scrap this campaign. We're going to let this campaign go. Um, and we're not. We're not. We're just, but I thought tonight tonight's show could be fun. Like, let's do, like, a world-building exercise. Ooh. And like, like, what kind of campaign would would you like? You know, all, there's still only three of us here, which is great. Um, if you guys are game for it, let's, it. let's think up. Let's think up like a campaign uh, that that we would we would do to replace it that would maybe address some so, of these issues. Here's a an idea I've been toying with. So, it's because a terrible I'm... idea, Jr. <laughs> no one cares. Because I'm doing some fantasy stuff after I finish this book, I'm almost done with. I started looking more at some of the D&D manuals because that's sort of iconic and you don't want to like just recreate Tolkien okay well Nick would recreate Tolkien but the rest of us you know you want to branch out a little bit and uh so I was looking at some of the old modules so some friends asked me to DM for them the the modules is sort of a way for me to learn the stuff and so I'm looking at some of the original like the the original modules uh, and I thought started thinking like that could be some fun like standalone episodes where we just go through some of those intro modules. They're, they're designed to be, oh, yeah. you know, a couple sessions. Yeah. Now keep on the borderlands. I think you were talking about that in the chat one day. I have that one. That's my, that is my favorite kind of like, I love you know, modules. Keep on the borderlands. Yeah. Keep on the border. And it's a great staging, you know, like it, it's like, there's so much in keep on the borderlands that you can get into. Like, I mean, the dungeon itself is, is really fun and interesting and you, you can go through like, you can pretty much grow to fourth level through it. Yeah. Um, but the keep itself is kind of cool too. Like if you, if you really want to kind of get into like some, there's some good characters in there to kind of mess with and have fun. And if you, if you end up, ended up I mean, you could build a whole campaign just around keep on the work. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think... So you're, you yeah, you're saying JR, like, about like basically maybe starting a campaign that's just original modules like yeah you would go you would go from keep and then i think you could go into i think I, there was a progression of how it went then it like went to like it went to hill giants right it went to battle of the giants yeah against the hill, the hill giants, giants. yeah and then it went to the drow right uh, and then by that time you were about like ninth level yeah i'd have to look it up for like the actual the actual order of it um but yeah, there was there was a progression of it, and uh, you know they 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 went with like seasons or almost themes. Mm-hmm. So the first couple of years they oh, had yeah. the they had the like the A modules, then the B, and so forth and so on. And each each kind of series of modules covered a certain thing. But like uh, yeah, um, I was thinking the other day because uh, uh, the other month uh, when I put out uh, uh, as I was uh, putting together um, the the Falcon stuff for Eye of Horus, uh, our new OSR release. Uh-huh. Uh, you and I were talking, yes. and it was like, you know, we could do like a pirate city. You know, yeah. and I was thinking, and and the second you said that, the only thing I could think in my head that would be just absolutely <laughs> epic in a thing like that would be um, do an entire campaign where you're part of a thieves guild in the middle of a mob war. <laughs> oh yeah for sure you know like at like the <laughs> sopranos versus like the yakuza you know or something like that that would just be epic i would love that and like not everybody's a thief either you know you have like a wizard working for the thieves guild and right. you know the um you have uh you know you have like the crazy 
uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, imagine like almost like a black knight um, where he doesn't show his face. He's always cloaked in shadow. He doesn't really speak. And he's actually like the priest of the God of thieves or something like that, or like the priest of the God of shadows, you know, and he, he you know, has the, yeah, he's like the enforcer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but have that as a cleric and a, a wizard who knows how to sneak you know, because yeah. uh, not because he's he's a particularly good thief, but just because if he takes uh, any damage at all, he's going to die. <laughs> you know, so like, but right. like, have a yeah, full exactly. on mob war going on and in the city. That was what we were. Ta- well, so when we were thinking that Andrew was going to be DMing today, we started our little uh, coup in progress where we were going to mess with him. And one of the things that came up with that discussion with with Nick and I was that if we were gonna, if our characters were gonna die, we wanted it to mean something. Like you wanted them to have a death that you felt like, you know, the bards would tell stories about. Were were this, you know, real, right? So like if I'm if I'm going out, I want like a full cab charge with everybody in my retainer, like all a hundred of them. Like we're just gonna like slam into something epic. Like so that's one of the things I think people are looking for is they they want like if the characters are gonna die. Like, they don't just want the characters to die. Like, they're throwing out, like, crazy ideas to do it. Like, light them on fire and throw them at the giant to kill them on his, you know, like, they could go out swinging kind of thing. I think that matters, too. Like, the, the you know, not just that you, you know, trip and, oh, you fell in a spike in the ground and you got, like, gangrene from a paper cut or something, you know? Yeah, you don't want to be like J.R.R. Martin. Yeah. I wouldn't mind his money though, <laughs> but like, but like, yeah, you know that, uh, you know, those kind of campaigns were always the ones I really enjoyed playing in, you know, not the, uh, not the one where you were, you know, fiddling with a lock and a, and a door for 30 minutes of like real time. And you just like, uh, look, um, can we table this discussion for five minutes? I want to go order the pizza. You know that kind of deal. We lost Nick. He got sad. Yeah, he got sad. He would. And I, I'm sorry, Andrew. We apologize in advance, and I'm sure they disavow everything I just said about our plan to mess with you. And I'm sure they didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain Kilgosha gifted a tier one sub to Shadow the Illustrator. That's really cool. That's nice uh, of you. And then uh, uh, Esoderic down in the chat was saying, "I love the legendary James M. Ward's anecdotes." So, like, uh, you know, as you're learning, like, through all this experience, learning, because this is your first time, kind of your first big outing uh, with uh, D&D, what, what are some of the things that you're noticing that you're, like, picking up now that you're here? Sorry. Oh, you're all good. So, are you asking Shadow, or are you asking... No, I'm me? asking you, dude. So, I do notice that sometimes it feels like it's it's just, you know... I roll this dice, I have this damage, and so I like, and I know that's some of the more original style. I like when we've done um, some of the sessions where there was a lot more descriptive uh, to it, so it felt more cinematic. We got a lot of that with James when we did the Gamma World stuff. Uh, I mean, you could visualize what he was describing then, and it wasn't just, you know, you stab, you did 10 points of damage, and, and, you know, you move on. Um, I wonder if that's just because he's a lot more passionate about Gamma World, and you know, maybe rightly so. It's it's a good system, and that's his baby. But I, I do like that a little bit more. I think when it's when it feels cin- cinematic, and you can kind of picture it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's some some moments where he could be. Um, I think he could definitely be more cin- cinematic. Like a lot of the rooms are just very like it's a room, 
and you're like, well, okay, like, you know, maybe you could get into the, the description of the rock or the stonework or whatever. And if we press him, he'll come up with things. But you know, you know, he's growing. I think as as a campaign DM and things like that. But I do think, like, I think that's that's a great gift that Walt has that you immediately embodied uh jr was the that description of things like getting people really into the mindset and the setting because that that makes like whatever like it's going to be combat that makes it, it, it it's so much easier to visualize you know like you know as opposed to i think um these are just three guys in green green trousers you know, like, <laughs> So that was our, um, our, our Andrew. Day, day. So when yeah. we were prepping for it, and we went and did some pre- play tests, and I will tell you, the Titan killed you like six times out of the eight we practiced it. Um, yeah. I did not count on like lightning poison from the sky for a half a freaking hour. But anyway, I'm not bitter. Um, <laughs> the uh, one of the things he did was he's like, you know, when you do your combat encounters, just you know, write yourself because he's helped me compensate for my head injury and my memory. He's like, just write a couple descriptions for each monster. Like, it would do this to you. So you don't just, it runs into you. It's like, oh, it gores you and throws you into a tree or something. Like, so I actually had a script written out with all of those as little prompts. So I didn't yeah. have to think in the moment. And that really helped. I would not have thought of that on my own. I'd have frozen yeah. like a motherfucker. I mean, have, have you ever read Conan? <laughs> have you ever read any Conan novels? Oh, my God. I have. Tower of the Elephant is so good. Yeah. Conan novels are very, like, especially for fighting. Like, you know, like, they're just very like, you know, and then, you know, and then Conan like slammed into him with his thigh and then cut his wrist. You're like, it's very like the fight scenes in Conan are probably like the best. And, you know, they're written so in the 1930s. But speaking of Conan, yeah. my, my oldest, because he's, he's the one that got me back into, you know, interested in playing like on a tabletop as opposed to Skyrim. Um, right. And so he watches our, our episodes when they're live on the TV downstairs. And he told cool. me I should tell you that that it's not Dungeons and Conan, it's Dungeons and Dragons, because you talk about it so much. <laughs> it should be Dungeons and Conan. Hell yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I ordered him, uh, well, he's not listening to this one, so we're good, but I ordered him a copy of Conan, and so he'll he'll understand. Oh my Sweet. God. Like Conan the game, or Conan, like, one of the books? Wait, there's a game? Uh, there no. actually, there's a couple of games. Yeah. There is, there's a really great sandbox game. Interesting. So I ordered him some of the books. Yeah, don't dip yeah. your. The current Conan game is by a, uh, a company called Modiphius Press, right? And you want to get your you want to get your uh, your head right around D and D before you crack into this one. Uh, yeah, because the uh, the two D twenty system takes a takes a minute. So okay, but the, well, the I own the books. They're gorgeous. Oh my god, are they gorgeous? Yeah, yeah we're, that's I was the cool thing the about the, books co- for the the Conan world like itself is like so fleshed out. But uh, you know, like you're talking about like 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 Conan the like when you the books that you got like Jared like Conan the Unconquered, Conan the Defiant, those yep. ones. Yeah, those those are all great, and those are all really cool one offs. But the world building in, in those are so cool. But not only Ari e. Howard, but the people like Elspreg de Camp, and and I think. Uh, a bunch of other guys one of the big ones wrote them too like but a bunch of other guys came in and wrote conan novels and i think like the publishing directions that they must have gotten from the publishers like you've really got to get into the fight scenes and so like nine times out of ten you just get you get really great fight descriptors out of conan novels you know uh when we were talking not too long ago nick 
we were talking about uh, the Death Dealer series based on the uh, yes. Frazetta yeah. paintings. And man, I tried to hunt those books down like in their original form. I was going. I was right. like, I was like, oh, you know, I bet, I bet Nick would really geek out if if we could send him those. The lowest yeah. I could find yep. the paperback yep. was three hundred bucks. I know. Ouch. Yeah, it's crazy. And I didn't realize there were like I think it was like four four were made because I started yeah. looking for them too, and they were they were expensive. But it was uh, I mean, you can find like I think there's reprints. Um, but like, it was interesting. I didn't realize like, and he was kind of involved in it too. I mean, my guess is he's like, Hey, here's a story. I don't know that he sat down at a typewriter and wrote them, but Frazetta, but he was in, he was kind of involved in the, in the actual stories. I mean, he was kind of trying to put together an IP. It's interesting that that, the thing that I think is interesting is, is that IP is probably in Hollywood somewhere. Oh yeah. Optioned and just wasting away. Oh, it sucks. It was a fun, they were fun <laughs> books. I mean, granted, I, uh, I, I, I did, uh, I must've read them, I think 30 years ago now. If they're going to yeah. do a, in, in a reprint or a remake of some of those. I would like to see the Lone Wolf series. I, I read those like crazy as a kid. Lone Wolf series. Yeah, the um, Quaid with Chuck Norris. The no, they were choose, choose your own adventure uh, novels, and you played a Kai Lord that was sort of like medieval meets Japanese when it comes to the culture, and like you were a traveling warrior monk going around fighting things. And of course, you know you cheated because it says if you roll this number, go to this page, and if you go, so you're like, let me see which one is better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were supposed to get like a, they gave you a character sheet you were supposed to fill out and like track stuff and. The, it was a lot of fun. I thought you were going to talk about uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, which is just phenomenal, phenomenal series. Uh, but, uh, I thought that, we were going to talk about Lone Wolf McQuaid. Yeah, right. yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> the what I think. Greatest did. Chuck Norris movie ever made. But the, uh, <laughs> I went looking for those the the RPG for for Christmas for my son, and it was like two hundred dollars. Yeah, because it's a collectible See, now. I'm like you jerks, put it back in frame. In Lone Wolf McQuaid. Where they bury him in his bronco, like the mob like, right. shoots him up, and and then they bury him in his bronco, and it, his bronco is supercharged, and he's under the ground, and like they're all laughing on top of it and everything like that. And the first thing he does is he cracks a beer, and he <laughs> drinks it, and then he starts up the truck and guns it out of the grave, and then just starts killing everybody. And that that's why that's the greatest movie ever. Did you uh, did you ever see Force of One too? I've never seen Force of One. No. Yeah, that one was good. Uh, I got to tell you, as weird as it was, uh, the Octagon. Yeah, I remember the Octagon. Oh, that would that show was... like every, like every few Saturdays a year on like the local cable station. You're like this is, you know, like it would be like Kung Fu Theater. That was a thing back in the '70s. Kung Fu Kung Theater. Kung Fu Theater. Like, yeah, it was awesome. So, yeah, those those were good. But Lone Wolf McQuaid, that was great. I think he was using in that. He was using like. He was using a really cool shotgun in that. I remember too. But uh, yeah. So, so um, speaking of guns, we uh, the episode yeah. I couldn't make. Um, the you guys got some firearms. So have we gotten a, a firm? Description? And you gave those firearms to us, right? No, Maybe that was right. James. Was that that was James? Okay, because I would have called you Gunmetheus. <laughs> <laughs> but so have we gotten a firm description? Is it like? Like like Civil War era, where you got the percussion yeah, caps. We've, we've, gotten so, we've gotten several descriptions. Because I'm like, I can't even like like. Okay, so I did as an as um in, 
grad student. Like I, I the, the one he's gone with is their blunderbusses. Okay, because I actually interned be, at a historic arms uh, museum as an as an you, intern. You you would of all people. <laughs> I got to handle a blunderbuss. The funny <laughs> thing is, is they had the. The, the vault where everything was stored had like a um, halon suppression system for the fire so that way nothing got damaged and i remember the park ranger i worked for he's like uh jr if if something happens and you don't make it out that door i just want you to know it's nice knowing you but the door's gonna seal and you're gonna die because you're replaceable and they aren't i'm like Ow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent the whole time i was in the vault like watching the door <laughs> i wonder oh, if it's serious oh, or not <laughs> old guns don't do it for me, but like like modern era older guns, like I think I'd like to fire a stoner. That'd be like really cool. A stoner? Oh my god, they are so yeah. much fun. Yeah, they that so would be fun. really fun. Do they smell like yeah. patchouli? No. <laughs> don't make me hurt you. <laughs> stoner machine gun, the, dude. Yeah, one know. of the GE reader, readers is it an arms dealer in Vegas. Nice. And, and so, if you guys ever all want to meet there, we can shoot all the fun guns we want. If oh, there's anything left of Sin City, threaten me with a good time. <laughs> he just picked up a brand he was showing me. I was like, oh, nice. a brand new stoner? Uh, no, a brand. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, no, but I don't know if he has a stoner. I just like. Lately, I like after reading Strange, after writing Strange Company, I've kind of had like this desire to like shoot a stoner. <laughs> I'm Fair at enough. the, I'm at the part in Strange Company. Uh, uh, I'm like two thirds of the way through the book now, and I'm just oh my god, oh wow, I'm loving it. That's you your like not it? GE book, right? Yeah, it's my not GE book. Your trilogy, so good. That's in, that's inappropriate GE because J- Jason's like, no, you you do this darkness on your own. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> so good i love uh i don't want to say like i can't say anything i can't talk no, say about it. it no no say it. but like no um i love the uh the voodoo warrant officers that are just so yeah. freaking cool <laughs> and nobody knows if stink eye like like who or what he really is and um i, I love the yeah. uh, uh i love the um the the oh I don't want to spoil it. There's, there's so many good parts. This so scene... it's basically like GE after the preacher goes to bed. No, 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 no. It's 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 about mercenary companies in space. But the cool thing, like, there's a scene where two mercenary companies are standing off against each other, and it's like oh, yeah. it was like um, it, you know what it really reminded me of, and, and I love it when a writer will will dig into something that makes you think of a real historical event. And I was thinking of uh, the trenches of world war one and yeah. they uh, during Christmas, the Germans and uh, a couple of the other forces stood down 1916, the winter. Of- yeah. Yeah. Crossed, crossed all, a bunch of lines. And then they said, uh, you know, let's just celebrate. We'll go back to killing each other tomorrow. You know, and yeah. it was, and it. Th- Can you imagine being the first guy over the berm for that? Oh my God! Balls of steel, right? But try and stop me. In, <laughs> in the in the book with uh, with Strange Company, there's a scene where it's like, uh, and I'm not going to actually use people's names, but there's a scene where it's like, Dave, is that you? Yeah, Bob. Yeah. Uh, how, how you yeah. doing over there? Uh, we're good. Uh, uh, how are you yeah. doing? You know, and they're like talking back and forth with each other. And these are people who have worked together as mercenaries before, but now they're on opposite sides. And it's yeah. and it's like, oh, that scene, Nick, that scene was so good. 
<laughs> I was like, yes. Oh, thank you. That's got to, that's like always the... a, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Say, mercenaries are always a hard sell for me though. Cause like, I don't know. They kind of always, the idea of, of doing it just for the money and not like some grander purpose always kind of skeeves me out a little bit. There's another well, series yeah, that's I, all about mercenaries, and it was like, that was my one complaint. It's like, like, but why? Like, is it just for the money? Well, that's it? Yeah, like, there's, and, and I wanted to address that question, you know, before, because it, it can just be very, and it can get really, like, dark and, you know, like, there, there's no, like, in, in GE, the Legionnaires have esprit de corps and brotherhood and everything like that. Well, the premise of Strange Company is they have a saying, it's strangers to the universe, brothers to one another. I forget. Um, but basically <laughs> what they realize is like, like they've all come from some kind of past that's kind of jacked up. And they know that like some of them are wanted, like in the French Foreign Legion, some of them are wanted for murder and stuff like that. And as long as they stay in the company, they have each other's back. And so they may fight with each other and not get along, but they're in it for each other that's that's so at least at least there's that cohesion that doesn't turn them into total just sort of soulless killing machine monsters and then that's like once i kind of like as i began to write the book i said okay that's the theme to kind of explore throughout the entire book of like their past and why they're here and what that means and why as like when you're a mercenary and you have the opportunity to dd mount when it looks bad you don't because these guys are actually your brothers and so you're going to stick it out or you don't so that was that was kind of the glue part but you're you're absolutely right that can be the problem with writing mercenaries it was it's so good like that one scene i had chills and like you know the way it's descri- yeah. the way is the way the scene wraps up um yeah you you just kind where the of the one guy where they both they both play their cards on each other where he and the guys who the narrator or sergeant Orion, he's like and I ask him how many are down there. Maybe he'll think I'm being merciful, but he's not sure. Like maybe he's asking cause he wants to get the advantage. Like even he doesn't know why he's asking it's, you know, like, and, and, and like, and the other guy doesn't ask for mercy. Yeah. That was a cool, I yeah, like that. That, that was, that was a really good scene. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, what do you call it? Uh, like I said, I'm two thirds of the way through now and it's just, it's uh, I'm really dying the way and the the part I'm at now is he's just about to uh, they're just about to start dealing with one of the monarchs. Yeah, the seeker. Yeah, that's that that now now is when it gets insane. Yeah. And it was like I think that series like I just wanted to like throw a lot of fun stuff in there, you know, like Hauser, the combat cyborg and, you know, who's just basically lifted from a certain thing and. And just, you know, like, uh, like Hannibal, it's not magic. Yeah. Han- yeah. Yeah. Basically from Tom Berenger from platoon, basically. And That's exactly um, who I, I thought wanted... of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, that's kind of how he, he's written it. He's just like great soldier. He faces messed up, but he's the personal villain of the guy who's, who's, who's narrating the story. And, um, the voodoo platoon, I didn't want to do like space wizards. But I wanted to do space wizards. The the voodoo I think, is cool I, I shit. Think, <laughs> yeah, like they're just all kind of messed up freaks who can do you know science that's basically magic. You know, either sci- either really good like yeah like the the whole uh, 
psycho when they gas the terminal and psycho psychotropic gas yeah yep. that's how they get attacked <laughs> Nicole's like this is really dark i'm like yeah it's fun <laughs> sometimes you sometimes you gotta shoot and then sometimes you gotta gas yeah, yeah. just because right. it's a bad idea doesn't mean it's not fun <laughs> so when this book comes out dear listener i need you to go out and buy a copy so he can use that money for his oh, therapy please. fund yeah, I need therapy. But um, you know, back to back to world building, I would easily run like a D&D Conan campaign. That would be because like the the lore there is is and there were D, there were Conan D&D modules that came out around. I think Conan the Destroyer 2, not the Conan movie itself. Yeah. Isn't that what but, the barbarian uh, class did, was supposed to be? Uh I think like I'm trying to think like I think the barbarian class came out after that. Like basically, yeah. fighters were barbarians. Yeah, and the, uh, the but the you... barbarian class is just so wacky because it's like, hey, you're gonna go down in the dungeon and find magic magic items. Here's a guy who likes to break them. Have fun, everybody. <laughs> awesome. I, I will say when we talk about that, that's one of the cool parts when we have uh, James going on about some of the history of like how things came to be and and some of that. That's those are fun little vignettes. Into, into the the yeah. evolution of the game. No, I, it's I, I think I think it's a master class for anybody that ever wants to do an IP. And I think the interesting story of the story of TSR is like what happens when you have massive success and you're completely unprepared for it. Yeah, you know, and that's that's something that Jason and I always talk about. Like, create products anticipating success. Like, do the groundwork in advance. But I think the, the saddest thing about Dungeons and Dragons and TSR, TSR is like they really were geeky for it, and they re- like you, like there's an alternate reality where they don't make the decisions they made, and D and D is is I think a much better thing. But in this reality, like in my opinion, D and D goes really way downhill after AD and D. Just personal opinion, but you know, don't mean to ruin everybody's day. But like, imagine if they. Imagine if they had had not, you know, they, they did not become a cultural phenomenon and they just, the, those creators and everything, like they just kept playing D&D together and kept making rules and making living and breathing worlds instead of kind of what did happen. Where would the game be? I think the game would be a lot smarter. Yeah. Because but they would have found it. it. Well, the finding of it is what ultimately ruined it. That's, That's the problem. The... Because, I mean, when you think about it, right, look, you look at the evolution of the rules, right? What happened was with second edition, um, they pared back on a lot of what happened in um, in Unearthed Arcana. Because in, in, if you're just using the second edition rulebook, um, the only ones who can specialize are fighters. And the only ones... Yeah. and um, Double specialization is something that can't happen until much later. Um, if you get it at all, and it's only melee weapons, um, they took out the bard. They took out like all these things they took out, right? And they were trying to pare things down and make it tighter. And then what they said was, you know, because they got a whole bunch of backlash in Dragon Magazine. So they said, all right, we can put it back in. We have mechanics for that. So they created all these like splat books where they yeah. said, all right, this is the ultimate fighter. And all you got to do is bolt on kits to the to the classes, and this is how you get these different things. Um, but that what they the, uh, people felt they didn't go far enough, 
So that's when third edition hit, and they started putting in things like feats and um, advanced classes and prestige classes and like all these other things because people wanted more variety. And then um, the war, uh, not Warhammer. Um, oh God, um, World of Warcraft hit. And yeah. they were just like, you know, I bet you we could do this at the table. So, like, if you play the fourth edition, <laughs> the fourth edition yeah. is just like playing World of Warcraft, exactly like a tabletop uh, version, uh. you know. And it's like, it's like you have this many spells per day. If you do a short, you know, a short rest, um, you recharge your health for this many points and blah, 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 you know. Um, and it turned D&D into superheroes. You know, yeah, um, because they because they moved from creating and inventing to chasing to chasing. And that's yes. always the life to the life of like a bad IP is when it gets into chase mode. Yep. Then you, there's someone else out there that's doing the new thing, and you're just trying to like you're just trying to stay relevant. And it's like I, I wonder what would have happened if like they would they would have had a quarter of the success that they had, but instead of like. This, most people don't understand the success that TSR had basically 80, 81, 79 to 83. I mean, yeah. like everybody was playing D&D and it just became such a huge thing, huge thing. And then the controversy and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it took the primary creator and flung him out to Hollywood where he didn't do anybody any good. And then they suddenly had these corporate masters and they were trying to like, you know, and then once different people bought it, they're like, well, how do we get all the kids who have the old player's handbook to buy the new player's handbook? Oh, new rules. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now you're just, now you're just chasing. You're not, there's the, there's no, you're not creating anymore. And that's why Jason, I have said like, G only has three seasons, you know, like if, you know, like if we get to the end of three seasons, like, Oh, let's do another fourth season or whatever. Like, but what we never wanted to do was like, and here's a cash grab, you know, like, yeah. no, we're not doing that. We'll just walk away and do something else. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of innovation that came out of some of those other editions, though. Like uh, one of the things that you saw, you know, in in stuff like um, the original Tomb of Horrors and stuff like that. Like you hear James talk about the old days and characters were carrying plants. They were carrying like animals in cages and, and like all this stuff. And it's like, you know, uh, you look at those same modules that were rewritten for later editions later on and. Um, and a lot of that stuff is no longer necessary anymore because they inserted storyline and they inserted um, a reason for things. Like if there was a goblin in a room, he had a reason to be there. It just wasn't a goblin in a room, you know, where the original yeah. first edition stuff or, or not really so much the first edition stuff, but like the, uh, you know, the old red box, the white box, all that stuff. Um, stuff was just in rooms, you know, in a castle. It's like why is it there you know yeah why? that's kind of what we're going through right now it's like here's the beholder and he's next to the orcs yeah. well maybe I mean, we like, should clarify the reason for that that we don't necessarily need it to be gygaxian because if he's saying that's what gary did then maybe that's the the flaw is, is the what we asked for you know it could be you know it could it could very well be because i mean andrew has said when we've talked him and i have talked that this is the way gary ran things yeah so but if you look at if you look at like some of the stuff now, um, you know, uh, companies that are like Frog God Games, Necromancer Games, um, Troll Lord Games, um, basically have taken their own version of D and D and published it, um, 
and they're doing tremendous things. Like their modules and stuff like that are fantastic. Their uh, uh, castles and crusades, um, the guys from Troll Lord Games, uh, they've said they're never going to publish another edition of the game. The only thing they're going to do is is every few years come out with like a rule book with new art and new layout and blah blah blah. You know, but like they're doing their eighth printing. Uh, their eighth update on their player's handbook right now. It's the same rules, same game, same thing they published 10, 15 years ago. It's just new layout, new whatever, you know, so. Hey, oh. they sponsored us once, so yay yeah. on them. Hey, there's uh, Mr. Rothman. What's going on? We here? were just talking about you, bro. I, I, I just woke up. I felt <laughs> That happens to us when we get old. We understand. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, but like, yeah, um, like some of these some of these companies are innovating, and I think you're getting a better class of adventure, um, a better uh, you're getting a be much better layout, much better reasons for things happening, um, lots of justification for stuff. So it feels like it feels less like a board game and more like a role playing game. You know, because you have those interactions. Yeah, in I mean, okay, I like. I mean, my personal thing is like I would just dungeon crawl. I mm -hmm. like the mega dungeon. Oh, yeah. But I like to have an, eco an ecology of the dungeon. Oh yeah, like I, I, one of the one of the greatest modules that you can ever play is Caverns of Thracia, and An Andrew will listen to this because that's where he starts his campaign. Everybody starts off in Caverns of Thracia, which is a Judges Guild module, and it's one of the first mega dungeons ever written, and um, uh, not ever written. It's one of the first mega dungeons written. Um, but like there was a whole ecology to it. There was a reason why everybody was kind of at war with each other in the dungeon. There was a reason why the gnolls were over here, why the mad priest was down here and stuff like that. Keep on the Borderlands is like that. Interestingly, when you go in and look at keep, there's the, everything is kind of explained of, of like, this is why these, these hobgoblins are here and they will help these hobgoblins. And this is why the evil priest in town will flee over to here if he's caught and stuff like that. Um, I think you have to. You know, I think that there is ultimately a story to to Greyhawk to Crimson Hawk. Um, I think that, that Gary probably definitely had that in mind. I think there's some interesting things. Like I said, one of the most interestingly cryptic things that James ever said to me, and it's like it's kind of taunted me because when we were first talking, I was like, "Well, tell me about this," and he was telling me all about the dungeon and everything like that. And, and I said, well, how far did you guys go? Did you guys ever solve it? And he's like, well, we did get to the bottom level. And I said, well, what's down there? And he's like, like, did you, I said, did you beat whatever was down there? Cause I didn't want to know. Cause I want to play. Yeah. And he goes, oh no, you could, ne you could never beat that thing. Mm. So like that little statement, you could never beat that thing is so like weirdly taunting and Cthulhu like, well, right. what is it? What is what is it that Gary Gygax made that you can't beat? Because, you know, like we've been teased with the other things that are in the Crimson Hawk dungeon. There's some really interesting things. Like, have you ever read that post that James did about the the, the fire giant level? Like, it's crazy that that like he said one day they opened this door to go in the and and he said like there was a fire giant king. There was something like thirty fire giants, twelve dragons a bunch of hellhounds, some of Freets. And he's Lord. like, it took us a year to beat. He said it took us a year to beat that room. Now, what's interesting, though, is, you know, it, uh, I guess I'm wondering, and we, we'd, we'd need uh, James 
to be able. If to you answer. send grenades, I'm going to scream. Yeah, no, I, I could, but I'm not. Um, no, but I, I, I'm kind of curious whether or not you know if Gary had laid out all of that dungeon. Because if you think about it, you start that dungeon as a relatively low level group, and right. but but by the time you're actually down at the bottom, you, you're going to need to have a whole bunch of teen level plus so so that's a pretty wide expanse of uh of difficulty you know what, what i'm curious whether or not he auto leveled it as things went on or if he'd actually had it planned that way from the very beginning where you know you know l- l- like for instance if those giants were always there from the very beginning or if he actually had it mapped such that okay, they are not going to get to level six by the time you know, before there's a you know at least a total level of twenty levels or thirty levels or whatever in the party. So yeah, well, just like remember when you're playing D and D, like he was using Crimson Hawk to test every idea that would be in D and D. Right. So I think like at times it's very random and weird and stuff like that, but like. Uh, some stuff that James has told me that I, I cannot say publicly. Um, but oh, we're not in public. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is mapped. Like it is mapped all the way down, and and right. you know, like, and that's been a source of contention for right. like, like that's a huge source of legal contention. And there's two different factions fighting over that and everything like that. People have tried to produce the dungeon and everything like that, but it is it is mapped. And and it, it is very interesting, um, but I I think like from a psychological standpoint and like see also just remember like as a writer I put the stories together like and you're you're a writer everybody in this conversation is writers not just me um, so you know that like a lot of the times we see rando things like we see um, okay so like just talking politics like there was a battle in politics this week. And it was really between Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. And like Nicole and I were talking about that. And these are two completely different people. And everything that I could say is about it could be total bullshit. But here's what the writer sees. The writer sees Donald Trump as a person who has totally had privilege his entire life and has had the best upbringing and seems to have kind of maybe turned a corner and and become like a person who's for the little guy. Like if I were going to make a make a like make this into an opera and make this into the story i would make him the prince who had everything and and kind of could have been the worst person and then turned around to kind of be for the little guy that's just my take i'm not saying anything yeah. way um but then i could go over to mitch mcconnell and here's mitch mcconnell who ha- has polio most people don't know that he has polio yeah. his, his legs don't work and and he's a very richard the third character and what I've tried to tell, like, and I'd like, I know the Richard III monologue as a Shakespearean actor. Um, there, you have to understand the character of Richard III. Like, a lot of the times when we meet people who are injured or, or disabled, like what Hollywood has taught us to do is to think that they're kind of saintly people with a lot of wisdom that we don't possess and they can make us better people. The reality is, a lot of the time when you meet people who are broken or injured, or you know, sort of like ostracized. They're not actually nice people. They're pretty bitter. They're pretty out for revenge. They're angry at society, which is very Richard the Third, the Hunchback King. Yeah. So a writer just sees random separate things and they put together the story. And I think like in the big giant great cosmos of everything's actually interconnected, a lot of the times the writer's right. 
that there is a story there where there seems to be disseparate parts. And so what I find fascinating about Gary's dungeon, because you bet you were wondering how it was all going to come back to that, is that <laughs> Gary as a creator might have created it just thinking it was all random. But a Freudian psychologist would come in and tell you there's nothing random about this dungeon. There was an architecture here all along. So I'd, I'd like to find I'd like to find out what that is just from a storyteller's point of view. It, it, it is interesting the the way the way you phrased it, in as much as you know, folks at at the top, so to speak. You know, you're using the McConnell Trump uh, analogy. You know, there there are two types of people. You know, what one yeah. being, you know, one being the the one who's made it and wants to see everyone else succeed and be and be happy, and the other one who's made it and said, you know, screw you guys, I want you to suffer as much as I have. And yeah. I, I'm going to make you suffer. Yeah. yeah. Is that true? I don't know. But... Ritual. I suffered, so you shall suffer. Yeah. 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 The Lord, JR, let, now, now JR will hold forth on the Lords of Discipline. <laughs> it's a good book. I'm just saying. <laughs> Pat Conroy was, was, a good, was a good author. So uh... I, think, I think it's you've lived your life by that book, haven't you? <laughs> uh so uh mike we were saying uh earlier that uh if we had to scrap the current campaign and go with something brand new what would you like to see uh, i mean yeah i guess it it really depends because i i i'd be open i mean i i even toy with the idea kind of like gary would you know would, would, would have gone ahead and said yeah you know, and it was was doing the Crimson Hawk thing to, as a test vehicle for his other stuff. I, I mean, I, I, I'm even contemplating. Yeah, you know, I was, I was contemplating even over over the Christmas break where I know I didn't do it. But um, it, you know, test. You know, like like if we're all doing books, we all have storylines and whatever. This this kind of thing seems like a perfect test vehicle for even book storylines you know so so it could be anything uh you know to me i i i think you know playing something akin to dungeon dragons is a perfect test vehicle for almost any storyline well that's how yeah. uh that's how uh yeah uh sa cory wrote the expanse yeah. uh they wrote it through a, a tabletop role playing game called traveler okay yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. know they used Traveler, but that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was funny too because they were they they had said in previous interviews that uh, you know um, the what eventually came out of those sessions was much different than uh, what was actually going on at the table, uh, especially when you count that that a lot of characters never made it into the books because they died in character creation, which is a thing yeah. that can happen in Traveler. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. I, no, because to me, I, I mean, because I'm in the throes of of writing, editing, and whatever, you know, a book that is at least uh, adjacent to a D and D like you know theme, you know, I, I look at this, I'm going, you know, it'd be kind of cool for me to play act, you know, you know, ju just like when we're writing a story, we're we're essentially in our minds play acting a a, a campaign, but in novel form. So uh, I mean, to me, you, you you should be able to take any of the books we've any of us have written and do the same activity, and it would be interesting to see how yeah, it ended only, up. Only ten thousand dollars. Walt will turn your book into an RPG. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, uh, Peter Mont two in the chat was saying, uh, 
that not all D&D and 7879 were giant dungeons and dungeon crawls. If you played an Errol Otis's game uh, world, it was often giant clouds, confusing illusions, or outer space with robots and magic users together and on the open seas. So, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess, you know, this is a reason why you shouldn't do that much coke in the 70s. <laughs> but, but, yes, but I, mean, I, I, I got to, uh, real quick, I got to meet Peter uh, because I got to play in an Errol Otis game, and Peter is Errol Otis's oldest friend. Oh, that's awesome. They play together in Errol's game, and, um, and I got to play in a too brief slice of, of an Errol Otis game. And it was it was some of the most fun I ever had. Errol is probably one of the most inventive, creative people you'll ever game with. Just real and just a really great guy. And he, I just emailed him this week. I'm like, hey, we want you to come back on the show. And he's like, oh, I'm finishing a painting, but I want to come back. So count me in. So I think he oh, might be dope. back next week. That's really no, dope. No, that'd be really cool. Yeah, but, but because. Yeah, if you think about it, we, we we all try really hard to make stories entertaining, and I think these D and D campaigns shouldn't necessarily be unrelated stitched scenes of a book. I mean, I think they 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 should, you know, move us along toward towards a conclusion. So, I mean, I think you know, because people watch you know watch for the death and screaming and yelling and and whatnot, but you know, they they, they watch for the progression. Where is this going? Yeah, I, I actually think they watch to watch Nick and um, Andrew argue. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think they like, and that was part of the meeting we were having with Jim this week. I think they like, and Andrew was like, "Well, you know, maybe I'm getting too overpowered and stuff like that." I'm like, I think they like watching Andrew play because he's, you know, he's very inventive and very knowledgeable, and he does some really crazy fun stuff, and. Um, and that's just what happens when you, I think you have that level of mastery of the rules because there's so many possibilities that, that are open to you. You kind of know what to do. What? <laughs> Captain Kilgosha in the chat. He's like, yeah. from, from an audience point of view, it's uh, the, the game is the story of Chrome and Lance, a bromance gone wrong. <laughs> 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 you gotta just, just take all the XP yeah. for that one. You win today. <laughs> And that's how you win yeah, it. I think, I think I think the Prometheus thing, if anybody enjoys anything, I think it's just the levels of uh, outrageousness he gets up to in like sort of like taunting Jim with the things that Jim does. You know, like I'm going to give you this because like that was his initial premise is I had this sword when I played with Gary and I hated it. And so I said in my heart, I will make you hate this sword. And, and so, you know, like, uh, you know, and then like, you know, becoming a storm giant and stuff like that, whatever he does to my character, whatever upgrade I can get, I'm kind of forcing it right back into him and making him deal with it. And that, and I think that's what makes Prometheus kind of an outrageous character. He mentioned that you can't, you're not going to be a storm giant forever. So you're tracking your XP. So, cause we were joking uh, after we signed off about when your character becomes a God. <laughs> Terry uh, and I and, and Mike and uh, we were that was what we were talking about at the end post show, right? Oh, and Jim said I wouldn't be a storm giant forever. Yeah. Oh, that's the implication. Anyway, accidents uh, happen. Uh, so yeah, I like... will be. I will be a storm giant. I will be more than a storm giant. <laughs> See, whatever whatever gauntlet Jim throws down, I'll come right back at it with. It's fun. No, and th and that's the cool thing is because you know I, again. It, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, what your guys' writing styles are—pantsers, plotters, whatever—but you know, but 
but a D&D campaign kind of forces you know you to you know pl- playing you know playing the whole D&D campaign analogy to the story it, it forces you to be a pantser to an a, to an a uh, to an extent and go okay uh, I wasn't expecting it to go this way but let's see where we go so it, yeah, it I mean that's like that's what I call what I learned at the Groundlings in Los Angeles. That's the yes and storytelling method, which is like whatever happens, you just build on it. Right. And I think there's some DMs who are like, "No, you're you're ruining my plan. We're gonna stay on this thing, and you're gonna go here because I I really you know like I really have it all planned out. Like if you ever like one of the most fun you can ever have is find some Reddit thread where people talk about worst DMs ever. (laughs) And like, you'll just hear some awful horror stories. And I remember this one guy was talking about, (laughs) he he like answered an ad for someone who was running a star Wars game. And um, he's like, I show up and the guy is running it and he's also playing Han Solo and I'm Luke. (laughs) And, and it proceeds to get completely like, the first 45 minutes, the guy just basically plays with himself, like basically plays as Han Solo, DMing himself and doing everything right. And then proceeds to try to have a love affair with the guy who's playing Luke and Leah. And like, it just turns like completely psychotic. And the guy's like, it was just the weirdest experience of my life. So yeah. Was that DMs you, that, that kind of have these, it was, I was, that was me. That was in college after the army i was i needed money um i was inexperienced no but uh i think the yes the yes and method is like which is how jason and i write galaxy's edge you know we just like i'll i'll say something outrageous and then i've forced jason to build on it by going yes and now this happens you can't what you can't do is you can't say no that didn't happen or you're crazy or it was all a dream Whatever the other person says, you then have to build on that. You have to like, you know, if I say like Tyrus Rex is dead and then Jason's like, yes. And now like the Legion goes on without him. Like, and that's like, it's a really, once you kind of really get in and it takes like as a team, it takes a, it didn't, it didn't immediately happen for Jason and I, but we kept forcing ourselves to work under that parameter. And after a while, like now it's just seamless for us. Like we, and it really does, like, once you kind of let go of your, like, special thing that you want to do, it does make what you're doing, both of you, better. Yeah. No, I, no, I mean, I like, I mean, you, you, because you, to me, between you and Jason, you, you you seem like the crazy scientist, you know, side of this uh, house. And, and he, he seems like the one who's like, okay, let, let's see how we can make that sort of work and, you know, pull you down, you know, scrape you off the ceiling a little bit and get and, and make that idea work. Yeah, it's like yeah. Where, where, where can we go with that? Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah right. I'm the one who wants to play with the action figures and light them on fire. Right, right. Jason's right. like, but but wouldn't they be good just in their display cases right here? <laughs> I'm like, nah. Let's, yeah. let's you were that kid in the toy store that was like torturing them. <laughs> Jason calls me the cousin that wants to play with your action figures. You don't want to. Yeah. Um, what do you mean? I got to take it out of the package. He's right. Yeah, like he's right though. Like, like there, there are things that I want to do sometimes that violate canon, yeah. and Jason will say, "No, that that's not a good thing to do," yeah. and and this is why. And I'll have to be like, "Yeah, you're right. I, I, we shouldn't do that. That's that's a bad thing to do." He's like, "So what we could do is play with this," 
it would be safe and no one would get it. I'm like, well, I guess this time. No, no, and, and that's where you get the back and forth. You, you, you come up with a crazy off the wall thing, yeah, and it's the and but or you know, you know it's kill the my negotiation. favorite character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think like where I was strong in our relationship was um, some of that in the beginning uh, of doing that, where it's really paying off. I think for Jason now is because he's the curator of the series like and he he really like he he really knows everything about the series i have to refresh my mind sometimes about different things about it and i'll get things wrong and he'll correct me and stuff like that but because he lives and breathes the series and knows it like the things he's writing now are just pro level interactions yeah. Like and he and it always was like you know I'm not saying he suddenly gotten good no it's always always good but because like just like with Andrew having such a mastery of the rules what I'm noticing in Jason's work right now is because he has such a mastery of the series like now it's getting like you couldn't be this good at the beginning because you don't have anything to work with but now there's so much like once you like and that's what we were talking about about what would have happened if all these guys had not had their wild success in TSR and had just kept building? Like, I think D and D would just be like so much better. And it's the same thing in a brand. Like if you continue to be truthful and faithful and you keep creating more and more content, there's so much to play with. And if you really are the master and you own it, you don't do anything false or phony, but what you do is you find these new, like if you, if you're reading legacies, the new GE book, and I'm seeing everybody's minds really blown by a lot of the stuff in there. You, you, you're seeing what happens. That's that's the payoff of a lot of hard work to get to that point. The Instead ending of, just of like, Legacies. And now you have. I was going to say the yeah. ending of Legacies broke my brain. That was like 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 fantastic fuel. It, I was like, when I got to that last page, you know. So and so walks into the thing and is like, "Hey, this is," and I'm like, oh, "You're kidding me!" <laughs> it broke yeah. my brain. But you awesome. only get there through a a lot of a lot of hard work, you know. Like, and that's that's where Jason's just really like absolutely owning it right now because, you know, you, if you patiently and truthfully build your IP, build your dungeon, build whatever, like you can create things that and. I, I can only imagine, you know, <clears throat> Andrew's 30 year campaign must be incredible. Yeah. Like to have that much content to play with and have fun with. That's, that's, you know, like I would like to have this campaign or whatever we end up doing, get to where, like, like Rothman was saying, like, like, you know, like people want to see characters grow. Right. And, and have fun. Like, and, and I think that's something we're struggling with, with James. Like, yeah we're growing and getting better but like sometimes he's like now you're a turn up now you worship <laughs> mm -hmm. this guy now you're an ant now you're yeah. it's like uh you know our, our our people you gotta let them you gotta let the character grow you gotta let the character have some i think jr's character like you know how many wives have you had <laughs> just like three like they, they <laughs> you know like there's so much like to explore there with that character but i i feel like we could do more of that no, and like with anything, you don't want long strings of success, success, success. You need to get 
bumped down a couple notches every once in a while so that you struggle for what you achieve you know so so i mean to you know, to side a little bit on the uh, the sadistic side of james you know, yeah i think he's trying to do that too but you know uh, yeah yeah it, it, it's a fine line you know it's a fine line where you have to walk <laughs> yeah are you are you talking like in a campaign yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. well campaign or story like you you don't want to have it ever get to and that was when we got our 25th acts of the dorvish lords yeah that's you bad. know you, but i think what we're on more is like we're a little more on the sadistic side like and now yeah. you guys have all been beaten and thrown out naked and that's how it i mean james is just the proverbial like you know i mean dad from the 60s or 70s you know like just telling you like how miserable their life was and then telling you to go mow the grass and not bitch about it he's read from that you know, it's the show. opposite of, that kind of modern <laughs> i like that guy yeah yeah basically like we were treated miserably uh 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 kurtz uh kurtzweil what is his name yeah Kurt. raymond that's the actor but oh, it, oh, his okay. greatest role is in patriot it, when he's in it when he's in a, a rehab group in Patriot, did you ever see the show Patriot? No. It's an Amazon show that got canceled, and it's great because it's about a spy who's depressed and goes into hash bars in Amsterdam and folk sings all the stuff he's not supposed to talk about. <laughs> you like now I got to go kill this dude tonight, and it's it's like it's a really morose show. It's not Raymond Kurzweil, but it's something like that. That actor who plays Red. So he's like, he's like this boss, and and he had an addiction problem a long time ago, and he gets it again in the series. And so he's in this rehab meeting, and he's talking about he's talking about something, but he has his kind of babbling, and and the counselor goes, he's like, I'll just call him Ray. He's like, Ray. He's like, Ray, are you? Are you? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hit it. He's like Ray. Um, are you snorting cocaine right now? <laughs> and he's like, Well, yes, I am. I have some right here next to my finger, and I've been snorting cocaine through this whole meeting. And then he goes on this big long rant, and his last line through the entire thing is, "See you later, losers." <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's funny. So did you catch the uh, the little uh, factoid of information? It looks like Terry might be uh, leading the session <laughs> after a little peer pressure from Nick. What happened? He would uh, oh run a he, game. Terry run yeah, a game. Yeah, Terry's gonna run a game. That would be epic. wait. I didn't cool. peer pressure. That was Jim. I was gonna give you some credit, but okay, Jim can take it. Uh, you almost had me all worked up that Terry was leaving the game to like overthrow the country. No, not no, le- leaving, leaving. 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 Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna what do you call DM. it? Uh, DM a game. Oh, okay. I thought you meant leaving. By by the way, uh, 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 Esoderic wanted to know: Is Jim the real Chaos actual? Have you yeah? Have you seen him play? Yes, he is. He he. I'm sorry, Nick, but he's better at it than you. He's <laughs> he's better at being chaotic. He's like, oh, let's just run ahead. We yeah. have no. Oh, plan. are you kidding? No, Jim is absolutely insane. Like he's yeah. just like I attack now and like. I even even he was in Andrew's game and like he's creating chaos over there too. He's like, I take the ring after we killed the elves and 
he's like andrew's like and everybody in the party was like bereft because like they were sad they didn't know these elves were kind of good and they were struggling with the issues and james just takes one of their rings and he's like i'm not giving it back and you know (laughs) no he's totally chaotic oh my god can you imagine as a, a campaign that's been going for 30 years trying to remember all the lore and stuff? Oh, my God. That just scares well, me. I mean, it depends because, like, a lot of these guys keep, like, really copious notes. Um, like, if you look at uh, somebody who's uh, interacted with us before, Lord Gasumba, um, Jay Scott, he's got a 40-year campaign, you know. And yeah. it, it's been in Greyhawk the entire time. They have, like, their own version of Greyhawk. That's amazing. And we had Anna Meyer on who did all the cartography yeah. for them. Wow. And it's just the stuff like you listen, like we're, we're just, you know, shooting the breeze right now and talking D and D and various subjects, but like they have like a dedicated night on their podcast. Right. So they have like game nights where they do like their, their Greyhawk adventures and stuff like that. But then they have like dedicated nights where they talk about like Greyhawk in general and, and their Greyhawk, uh, Greyhawk specifically. And uh, it's immersive and crazy. But, like, they even talked about a show where um, uh, there was, like, a a tournament league that was going on. Um, It was uh, uh, Living Greyhawk. So what it was is it was a series of campaign modules that that you could play across the country. And when you created a character, you registered your character so that um, everybody could have access to it. But like, for example, like uh, say Mike wanted to go to California and play live with Nick. Um, And the campaign started at, say, say in January and you didn't get there through May until May. So January, February, March, April, you were playing the campaign in your home, home state with your home group. When you went over to play with Nick in May, right, you would play the next module in the series that you've all been playing. So you're not behind, you're not in front, you just get in there and they already know your character because they can have access to it and you get in there and play. So imagine like like when those cats got together, they would get together in these big conventions once a year and just have like a massive session with all these different like chapters around the country not just around the country there was an australian chapter a new zealand chapter an italian chapter great britain and they'd all come to vegas to have these huge or or not vegas uh, wisconsin to have these huge like tournaments where they would play these like convention modules you know i mean imagine tracking all that knowledge over all the all that distance with different groups not just one group so there's a there there were a lot of people out there that did stuff like that and did it all with like pen paper notebook and xerox shit and mailed it to each other it was crazy and that was early 90s uh early to mid 90s so i'm gonna i've got a question those are the kind of people that know how to use a card catalog (laughs) yeah you So I've got a question. Yeah. So la- later this year, uh, end of this year, uh, I mean, I, I, I've, I've not attended a single 20K session, you know, the 20K to 50, whatever thing. Um, but uh, the cult is that? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, but, but I'll actually be there this year, but at the, at, at the, you know, they're holding the question will, will anybody else be there? Well, well, the quite, yeah, exactly. But, but it's at Bally's. And, and, and so I, I ended up, <laughs> But, yeah. So, Wait, what is what is the what is the what is the rando information? But it's at Bally's. Have to well, do with anything? 
Uh, I, I'm going to bring it back. Uh, so what I, is I, was, Bally? I was wondering whether or not anybody is going to be in town because it would be kind of cool because I actually am going to have the penthouse suite. Uh, so I, I, I've got that booked. So it's a ridiculous amount of square footage. And I was like, if you guys or a, a substantial portion of you guys are there, we could actually play face to face D and D. Oh, that would be if tough. you're if you're if you're going to be uh, in Vegas at, at that time or arranged yeah. to be. Nick has yeah. described Vegas as the epicenter of hopelessness and despair. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. But well, yeah. it's 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 it, like you never brought it back to ballets, Rob. <laughs> well, well, well no, no, that, that was the penthouse thing. Yeah, because I I I, I have okay. I have the penthouse will, at ballets we can play at. I will allow that then. Yeah. Um, the epicenter of hopelessness and despair is at the south end of Vegas, oh, where, uh, where they near Searchlight, where, where they used to hold that that convention, yeah. and uh, that was the saddest place in the universe. Yeah, it, it, um, it sounded sketchy. <laughs> yeah, but I have my arms dealer friend um, <laughs> in in Vegas who will let us shoot all kinds of fun guns, AK seventy four U's. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, we could we could have a D and D and gun day. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. I'd be, I'd be down with that. Yeah. Um, but you know, like yeah, that I think I think that would be it. Would I would like I would like to you know obviously Greyhawk has is has a living breathing. I think like it would be interesting, and I was kind of hoping we would do that with Crimson Hawk, but we don't have to. Maybe we do a different campaign or whatever like that. But we all enjoy playing together. We're having fun together. Yeah. No one is planning on dying anytime soon. So we could do this for 20 years. It would be fun to start a living, breathing world, you know, and, and get it going. It's kind of no, interesting. Agreed. Yeah. I, I like, I like Andrew because he's, he's so deep and he has such knowledge and like, he would, he would be, you know, like he, uh, he's, such, he's our, he's our walking encyclopedia. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's yeah. the cool part. Yeah. You could tell what a loss the decision was without him today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we could get anything done. We could just look. We could just get room descriptions. Oh, that looks <laughs> terrible too. Okay, let's go look in another room. Oh, fuck, that one looks awful. Well, let's go over here. Oh no, a, a six-inch fairy walked out. Fuck that. Let's try the other one. Oh, well, in our defense, we did kill the only the time anything fairy. happened was like when the dragon like. You're gonna send a typhoon into a room full of snakes. Now a dragon attacks you. <laughs> How dare you make the snakes wet? Yeah. Oh my god. Did, did, did we Here's... end up? Did we end up killing the snakes? I don't remember now. No, no. That's no. the thing with James. Like, like he will waste your time until like he'll even. You ever notice? Like, you'll get so wasted, you know, dealing with the puzzles and finally getting in a fight. And there's chess right in front of you. And he's like, well, I guess it's time to wrap up the session. <laughs> What's in those chests? Well, you don't have time. Sorry, it's all gone. And yeah. you go back to look, some elves took it. Yeah, Boy, exactly. you guys really missed out on some great treasure there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, so what was the outcome of today? Today was uh, ultimately we got a corpse. Was that the outcome of today? Uh, the net, yeah, the, the outcome result? of today was we got a dragon corpse. And some yeah. potions. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And the elves took a sword that was blessed to Horus. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I did get a hundred and some odd hit points. <laughs> You're welcome. And fifteen yeah. experience. Yeah, fifteen experience. <laughs> <laughs> I cast way more lightning bolts than I should have been able to, but I was like, ah, fuck it, let's get this done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Excuse my language. 
I think so here's 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 my idea for a campaign I'd like to run. Hit it. And I might I might do it. I might do it if you guys like it. Here's what it is. So your characters come down off this high desert plateau and you see this sort of mole of the wasteland, you know, stretching out into infinity, everything like that. And in the middle of it is this giant dark spire. It's a dark tower. And as you get close to it, you see that around the tower are eight small cities. And you go into the first one and you find out that everybody in this ring of cities and everybody in the city that you're at is trying to get to the tower. The entire economy of this place is trying to get to the tower. And you would think, well, why don't I just walk across what looks to be about 10 miles of desert wasteland? Because this is how high this tower is to get to that tower. And the answer is that if you go above ground, if you walk just straight across the, the flat of the earth from the city to the tower, you die. Like there's, you know, there's just terrible things happen to you. Like grave trolls just pop out of the ground and drag you down underneath. Like you get, you, 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 you get attacked by, you know, ravenous crows. Like you cannot walk across from the city to the tower. And so each of these cities is an anchor point around this tower. And from each city is one sort of like Canyon of, of, but it's not like a Canyon Canyon. It's more like, if the pharaohs who carved tombs had built a canyon and you have to thread that canyon to get to the top to the entrance to the tower to climb the tower and and that's the campaign and and each city has a different name and the first city you arrive at is hope and the problem with hope is there is no hope <laughs> and so like that's each each city has a different theme but like that's like a taste so that's like an idea i've been playing with let's Are do it reading Nietzsche again <laughs> never I mean I tend to when I go to those places I tend to stick with the stoics but I mean I get it right on I I, I think the uh, I think we're going to be mixing some st stuff up in the coming year so like uh, uh, we're working with um, Mike Lafferty on the Banff podcast. He's going to be running some stuff for us. Ah, Nick popped out. Um, and then we got, I made fun of Nietzsche. I'm sorry. It's yeah, my fault. Well, yeah. Um, we got, uh, we got uh, the premise for some of the games uh, that we're going to be pursuing. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there's going to be some fun stuff lining up for this year um, as far as uh, what we can do on the stream and what we can do with the stream, you know, well, you're looking like you're, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're nearly in bed already. Yeah, your, your eyes, yeah, your eyes are all glassy and stuff. Yeah, no, at least in the video. No, they're not. It's, uh, okay. it's. Uh, oh, there's Nick. Um, uh, I, mm -hmm. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Oh, oh, got some weird feedback. Oh, there we go. Uh, I I'm assume, 